Anne Hathaway is correcting the record on her name. We need to talk about all of the Army Hammer drama going on, and we are joined by the Independence Olivia Petter to discuss the new Sex in the City series and just like that. It's January 14th, 2021. Hey friends, I'm Casey Rackham. And I'm Zach Stafford. Welcome to BuzzFeed Daily. And Casey, I have a challenge for you and us today. Are you ready for it? Yes, what is it? I want to see if we can go an entire show without talking about President Donald Trump. You just ruined it, Zach. So you have to leave now. (laughs) No, no, no. no. I'm setting the perimeters. I'm setting this is like after this moment. If you agree to the terms, we're going to see because, you know, we've all been going through a crazy week. I think we can do an entire show without saying his name. And I think we need to get into practice of this because we're about to enter a new administration. Yes. All right. That is that's the game. So I'll let you take it from here, Casey. (laughs) Okay, so we're going to start with the one and only Anne Hathaway, the princess of Genovia and overall icon, was on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon last night, and she admitted that she doesn't love her name. Call me Annie. Yeah. Call everybody, everybody, call me Annie, please. Let's <laughs> spill the tea. Yeah, I So would. I, you know, when I was 14 years old, I did a commercial, and I, and I, and I had to get my SAG card. And uh, they asked me, what do you want your name to be? And I'm like, well, it should be my name. My name's Anne Hathaway. Like, and, and I never... And, and so that seemed like the right choice, but it never occurred to me that for the rest of my life, people would call me Anne. The only person who ever calls me Anne is my mother, and she only does it when she's really mad at me, like really mad. Yeah, I know. And that. so I, every time like I step out in public and someone calls my name, I think they're going to yell at me. Yeah. This is the most Annie Hathaway thing that's ever happened. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is, I, I refuse to believe that this woman has so much negative connotation to her name, Anne Hathaway, when she's been a working actress since she was a kid. That was the big note for me is that you've been called Anne Hathaway by the public for 30 plus years now. Plus, I feel like we, we know that there's like, um, if someone has like their stage name or their name, everyone calls them that, but then their good friends or family might call them something else. And I think that's special. So how about everyone in her life calls her Annie? We continue to call her Anne. Because we don't know her like that. It's the same with like, do you know what Madonna goes by from her close personal friends? M. That's it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So now I've told everyone, you all can fake your friendship with Madonna. M. I do not know her, but I've heard this through the grapevine. So, all right, moving on. We finally have to talk about Army Hammer, which I'm very excited about. So earlier this week, DMs reportedly from Hammer, which we want to point out are still very unverified, were leaked, and they appear to show him messaging women about certain sexual acts and uh, other stuff. I'll just say that. They mentioned things like BDSM, cannibalism, and blood drinking. But we finally have Hammer's response to those unverified DMs. According to TMZ, in the wake of the scandal, Hammer decided to drop out of the Jennifer Lopez film Shotgun Wedding in order to be with his family. He also issued the following statement. I'm not responding to these bullshit claims, but in light of the vicious and spurious online attacks against me, I cannot in good conscience now leave my children for four months to shoot a film in the Dominican Republic. Doesn't it feel like he's like blaming us for this? We didn't do anything wrong. I'm sorry that you can't do this movie anymore, (laughs) but... Yeah, like I didn't ask to have screenshots of DM saying you were ripping the heart out of animals on my Twitter feed. I didn't ask for this. Like, this is weird. This is weird. And I did try and text publicists about this last night. I was trying to be a reporter, and no one was responding to me. So I don't know what's going on in, in Camp Hammer. It is clearly an extremely messy situation that no one wants to touch. We must 
provide this other context that J-Lo, you know, is attached to this film. She's also performing at the inauguration next week. So Miss J-Lo also needs to step away from the hammer too. So I think there's a lot of coordination happening. Yeah, Biden probably calls her up and he's going to be like, I don't really know what's going on, but please know. Okay, so I want to go back to a topic we talked about earlier this week. The Sex in the City reboot, reunion, sequel, revival. I'm not sure what to call it. All I know is that people have like very strong feelings about it. I personally have never watched the show all the way through. But Zach, you know Sex in the City. Oh, do I know Sex and the City? I thought I wanted to be Carrie Bradshaw <laughs> for many years. And even my first writing job was as an opinion columnist right out of college. But I quickly pivoted and decided that was not the life <laughs> I wanted. So I'm deeply emotionally connected to the show. I do see all its flaws and issues. So I have that caveat there. But now when it comes to this new version of the show titled And Just Like That, a lot of people are asking why, myself included, even as a fan, and also who asked for this. <laughs> so today we're bringing in Olivia Petter. She's a lifestyle writer at The Independent and host of the Millennial Love Podcast. She also wrote the piece, Please Don't Bring Sex in the City Back. It's nothing without Samantha. Hi, Olivia. Thank you so much for being here today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Of course, of course. All right. So first off, before we get into talking about this reboot, I want to ask you about your relationship with the original show. Did you watch it all the way through? Did you love it? And do you still love it? Even looking back at how kind of complicated it was. So my relationship with the show is quite interesting. I um, I started watching it with my mum, uh, who I grew up just with her, me and my mum, in a small flat in London. And I was maybe five or six when I was watching the show with her. Definitely too young wow. to be watching Sex yeah. in the City. Yeah. But my mum loved it. And we lived in a pretty small place. So she wanted to watch it, which meant I had to watch it. <laughs> um, so we have all sorts of funny memories of that episode with Charlotte when she's um, she's getting the vibrator, the rabbit, and she's talking about how amazing it is. And I turned to my mom and asked her, Mom, what's a rabbit? <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. Um, yeah, then when I was older, I started watching it properly um, <laughs> and actually appreciated how great it was. And recently, actually, I went through a breakup in the summer and I rewatched all of Sex and City from start to finish. And it was the most comforting thing in the world. And it just made me laugh. And it just brought back all of that nostalgia and reminded me how brilliant the show was and still is today. So the issue most people take with this new version of the show is the absence of Kim Cattrall, a.k.a. Samantha. But, okay, before we dive into that, we need the backstory. There's always been bad blood between the stars, but things really exploded a couple years ago after Cattrall's brother died, right? Yeah, so there was always a bit, like you said, of bad blood, I think, because there was going to be a third film in 2016. And the reason why that didn't happen is apparently because Kim didn't want to do it. And, you know, that alone prompted all sorts of tabloid headlines about her being a diva and being demanding. And I think the thing that Kim took issue with was that none of the other stars kind of publicly spoke out to support her. Anyway, then, um, yeah, like you said, Kim's brother died. And I think Sarah Jessica Parker released a statement um, and she commented on one of Kim's Instagram posts offering her condolences. And Kim Cattrall um, did this post, which is still up, which I just think is amazing. Um, she did this post where she basically asked Sarah Jessica Parker, well, she didn't ask her, she basically said, you aren't my friend, you were never my friend. She called her cruel. She accused her of exploiting Kim's tragedy to kind of present her own nice girl persona and basically said, let me make this very clear if I haven't already. We're not friends. Leave me alone. Mm, damn. Um, 
Yeah. And that, that post is still up. <laughs> Which is wild. But those, yeah. that also, like, isn't the only stuff she's done, right? Like, she's hinted at the reason she chose not to participate, like, other times it, via interviews or social media, right? Yeah, well, I think it makes a lot of sense as well. I mean, she's she's basically said that she would be happy actually for another actor to play the role, which I think is a is a weird and yeah. strange proposition <laughs> that would not work. But I think the general consensus I get is that Samantha is the only character out of the four whose trajectory just doesn't really work as well as you go into your 50s and 60s. You know, I think Kim is in her 60s now and I can understand why she wouldn't want to be playing that you know sexually promiscuous character at that age like I can understand that and when I interviewed Cynthia Nixon she said the same thing she said you know she empathizes with why Kim's character doesn't necessarily age as well as the rest of ours do but it also just sounds like they didn't get along and that is so sad because it feeds into this stereotype of you know successful women not liking one another but in this case there is obviously some truth to it i mean look at that post oh my god the post i i, I die every time i, re- I realize that it's still alive <laughs> like it's still with us it's the one the most magical things on the internet um well we'll be right back to talk even more about this new iteration of sex in the city SheFit. We're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self-doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. Hi, I'm Robert Lamb. And I'm Joe McCormick, and we're the hosts of the science podcast, Stuff to Blow Your Mind, where every week we get to explore some of the weirdest questions in the universe. Like, if sci-fi teleportation was possible, how would it square with the multitudes of organisms that inhabit our human bodies? Can we find evidence of emotions in animals like bees, ants, and crayfish? How would an interplanetary civilization function? Does free will exist? Stuff to Blow Your Mind examines neurological quantum cosmic mysteries, evolutionary marvels, and the wonders of techno-history. Basically, this show is the altar where we worship the weirdness of reality. If anybody ever told you you ask the weirdest questions, it is time to come join us in the place where you belong, the Stuff to Blow Your Mind podcast. New episodes publish every Tuesday and Thursday with bonus episodes on Saturdays. Listen to Stuff to Blow Your Mind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The NFL is back, and the NFL app has you covered. So get ready for football all season long and just tap into the NFL app. NFL, baby, let's make it happen. Just tap in to watch your local and primetime games all season, now through Super Bowl 56. For the end zone, touchdown! Get up-to-the-minute news, videos, highlights, stats, and more on all your favorite teams and rookies to watch. Welcome to the NFL! Download to your mobile device today at nfl.com slash mobile or in your app store. Certain restrictions and data rates may apply. Welcome back. We're talking with Olivia Petzer. She wrote the piece, Please Don't Bring Sex in the City Back. It's nothing without Samantha for the independent. So Olivia, you've made your stance pretty clear. What is your biggest concern, though, with this new new version? 
So I think my biggest concern is that they're going to basically destroy the legacy of Sex and the City. And they had a pretty good go at that with the second film, uh, which I'm sure every fan of the show will remember was critically slated universally. And for good reason. I mean, personally, I think the first film was great. I know a lot of people disagree, but I think it really kind of tapped into the emotion of the series. And there were some really strong storylines and some really strong characters character explorations between Carrie and Big and it it just kind of made sense and it felt like um you know Big needed to leave Carrie at the altar in that film like that was an inevitable kind of continuation of the story but the second film was just very shallow on plot and I think they didn't really explore any of the um characters with any depth so I'm just worried that you know because in that film the women were in their 40s and 50s and in this new show the women will be in their 50s and it's just like can they create meaningful storylines for the women when they're at that age and it's almost like you know why not just create a new series about women in their 50s because we know how much there is a lack of that in popular culture you know we have so many shows about women in their 20s and 30s you know and if you just create a show based on women who were best known for that time it's it's going to be quite difficult and it's so easy for those characters to slip into stereotypes of like, you know, getting Botox and right. chasing young men. <laughs> to your point, when you say like, if we want to write these authentic stories, I actually don't know who's going to be writing this revival, but the original was two white gay men. So it's like those stories would not be authentic to, no, no, no. to their age and, and to their, yeah. And as a black gay man, I can't speak for white gay men, but I don't think we have any business writing, you know, women's stories, especially in their 60s. Like, I just don't get it. So I don't understand. I don't understand at all. But I guess something else I want to love at you, this has not come up. Do you think it will make it better if this show is set in like a pandemic era? Because you go into production in spring, like, would you want to see a pandemic Sex in the City? You know what? I'm actually going to say no, because I think <laughs> the pandemic, the pandemic has been so awful and is so awful, continues to be so. The thing that I loved about watching Sex and the City back in the summer was that it was just pure escapism. And I think that is what this show needs to do. You also, know, you need to revive some of that. Also, the, they are incredibly privileged and rich, so they probably wouldn't handle it the way that the viewers <laughs> that are watching it They would it be in the Hamptons. That. They would be in the Hamptons. It would be sex in the Hamptons. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, the show is criticized a lot about how, you know, the lack of diversity and how they're all affluent. And, you know, it's it's not a realistic uh, projection of life. Carrie has a one-bedroom apartment. But, you know, that's quite nice right now mm-hmm. to see that. Okay, so we need to go back to Samantha, who literally brings the sex in Sex in the City. Uh, in your column, you describe her as, quote, acerbic, outrageous, and sexually uninhibited, unlike any other woman on screen when the series started. She still is. It wasn't just how frankly she spoke about and had sex. It was how she redefined female sexuality as something that could be free from shame and societal shackles. So for you, she's not just an important part of the show. She's a revolutionary character. Completely. I think people really underestimate the impact of her because she is best known for being the one who loved sex. And, you know, when you have these kind of ensemble casts, every character is known for a different thing. So given her characterization, that would make sense. But it's so easy to miss all of these important messages that that character sent. You know, she was all about self-love. She always put herself above men, way more so than any of the other women who's 
you know, we're all kind of chasing after men throughout the entire series and that's fine, but you can't have that and not have like a subversion of that. So Samantha brought something incredibly fresh to the dynamic. You know, she was, she was the only one to experiment with her sexuality on the show. She would say like, I love you, but I love me more. She, you know, she kind of pioneered that self-love movement before it even happened. And I think people really kind of forget that when they talk about her today. So with Cottrell's star so bright and so prominent in the Sex and the City universe, how do you think, and just like that, will tackle Cottrell's absence? I really don't know. I was thinking about this the other day. I, I really hope they don't kill her off. Yeah. But uh, dark. But so dark. It would, it would be so dark. And there have been all these jokes about how Carrie will like murder her with her Manolos. <laughs> oh, and I'm like, but I think if if they don't kill her, it doesn't make any sense <laughs> for her to not yeah. be in the show. Because those four women always hung out together. They were always friends. Like even in the first film, Samantha, when she was living in LA, she would fly over to New yeah. York for brunch. Yeah. You know? Like they wouldn't not see each other. So as much as I don't want her to die, I don't see how it can make sense if she isn't dead in the show. Um, I hope that they don't do one of those things where, you know, like they put like a, someone who looks like her from behind and she's like walking away and they use like rec <laughs> earlier recorded like audio from her or something. I could see them doing oh that God. too though. And I've been thinking about this a lot too as someone that loves the show and I was like, Samantha was so wealthy and she was with Smith Jarrett mm -hmm. that like even if she's still in LA, like the woman can take a private jet to New York mm -hmm. to have brunch still. So like, I, I again, I agree with you. I don't yeah. know how they're going to handle mm -hmm. this. So we're excited to see that. But you know, I want to bring up a different version of the show that was like a prequel to the show that I did like because it was so campy and it was the Carrie Diaries. What did yeah. you think of that show? Did you watch it? Do you think it did the show justice? <laughs> um, I did. I did watch it, obviously, because anything to do with Sex and City, I'm going to watch. It wasn't good. <laughs> I mean, it, it wasn't good. good. It was not good. It just wasn't good. I mean, I enjoyed it, but it it was a teenage show, you know, and yeah. it was a show about teenagers for teenagers, I'd say. And I think it was cancelled in the end, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. I think it got maybe <laughs> this like isn't one looking good run. for you, Zach. <laughs> no, it's not. No, <laughs> no, I, it was fun. I liked it to watch fun. it. I but it wasn't like, like I have a theory, Olivia, and you may disagree with me, but if you know something's going to be bad and you walk into it knowing it's going to be bad, you can then make it good. Like I think when you have your expectations lowered, content gets worse. But I knew this like the prequel to Sex and City, this imaginary like NYU student that's Carrie Bradshaw uh, in the 80s in New York was going to be bad. So in a <laughs> yeah. way. But just just because something is bad, it doesn't mean you can't enjoy watching it. Exactly. Like look at Emily in Paris, which is Darren Starr's other show, you Thank know? You, that Olivia. was like so popular on Netflix. <laughs> And it's a terrible show. Yes, Olivia, never leave us. I agree with every all of your takes right now. <laughs> okay, so backing up a little bit, what's your stance on revivals overall? I mean, from Gilmore Girls to Arrested Development, revivals are rarely well-received. Should we just be giving up on them? I think revivals should be left in the past because you know what, with a show like Sex and City, where it's it's so loved and it's so of its time as well, it's it just doesn't make sense to bring it back now. And you're only going to risk ruining its reputation and you're only going to wind up disappointing fans who, you know, have got these really established visions of those characters 
And it's just best to sometimes let a good thing stay in the past and let it remain a good thing, you know? It's just, and unfortunately, when you see these um, these reboots and you see the salaries that the stars are getting paid, you can't help but think, oh God, you guys are just doing that for money. That's so sad that you're doing that and you're risking ruining this beautiful story. Yeah, it's perfectly said. It's like, why don't you just do an hour special with Jimmy Fallon or something? <laughs> like, <laughs> Jimmy Fallon is I your don't pick, know. Casey. He would, he would do that. He would do that. It's not my pick, but he would do it. Like, I, mean, I think that's what friends are doing, isn't it? Yeah, that's mm. no, exactly. And I think like <laughs> something I think a lot about is, you know, we should just let good things lie. Like it was great. Keep it there. I think Watchmen did a great job of being like, yo, HBO, we're just going to do one season and let it be. Insecure, we found out this week with Issa Rae, is stopping after season five. That's great. We don't need these things to live forever. We should have different stories being told all the time. Yeah, I agree. Like another really good example is like Fleabag. Did you yeah. guys watch that? Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, it's, it was just two seasons, two brilliant, brilliant seasons. And then Phoebe Waller-Bridge ended it perfectly and was like, nope, it's not coming back. That's it. Even though it was hugely successful, even though if she did bring it back, it would make a huge amount of money. Just like creatively, no, it's like, it's almost like it's, it comes down to, do you want to put the art first or do you want to put the money first? And unfortunately, a lot of people decide on the latter. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Olivia, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's so fun. (laughs) Love talking about Sex and the City. I could do it all day. (laughs) Well, that's it for today. Join us tomorrow for a discussion with Sachi Cole about her piece for BuzzFeed's Body Week. And remember... Is Anne now the stage name or is Annie the stage name? Please assist Miss Hathaway and myself. We need answers. <laughs> Be sure to subscribe to BuzzFeed Daily on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to come back for more of what you love about BuzzFeed, coming to you daily. 
Being a real estate agent isn't about listing houses. It's about connecting to people. I need to find new buyers every day. So I promote my listings using radio commercials from iHeartAdBuilder.com. Now every time I have an open house, it's a full house. A custom radio ad from iHeartAdBuilder is the fast, affordable way to drive customers to your business. Put the power of radio to work for you. Get started now at iHeartAdBuilder.com.